Welcome to the sports class with Justin and Jamal. Episode 25, the sports gloss is back. Justin and Jamal here live in Little Owl Studios on the southern tip of Vancouver Island. What a treat to be sitting across from the next president of the Pac-12, make it the Pac-4, <laughs> the Pac-4, the pride of Glen Allen, Virginia, Jamal Cox, JC. How the hell are you? Just trying to put these scraps together and make something out of nothing, my friend. <laughs> Just kind of like my week, but here we are. Great to see you. Great to be back. Thanks to all the folks out there listening. JC, quickly before we dive into the sporting realm, give me a taste of your social calendar on the weekend. We exchanged a couple of texts. You had a lot going on, a lot going on. It's birthday season. We all know that if you're a parent, but it's also wedding season. People tying the knot in holy matrimony. You were out there on Saturday night at a pretty a pretty spectacular location on Saturday. Why don't you give me a taste of that, please? Yeah, Julia's cousin was getting married over in Oak Bay, which is a well-to-do neighborhood. Really nice venue overlooking the water. Golf course. Golf course, yeah. There was, uh, I was mentioning off our air The third earlier. nicest golf course in Canada. Really? Eh, my opinion as a non-golfer. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm a, it's up there. It's it's a nice nice venue, but I didn't know it was like that. The that, course is uh, nice. I've never been in the clubhouse, but you have. Please proceed. Yeah, there were a few um, golfers that were not happy that we were taking up that mm. hole, but I think they got a par score for that hole for the day. And uh, there was a phantom uh, four call I love that, that everyone kind of turned and looked, and I think they got a giggle out of that. I so love that. That was their little uh, hit back. Nothing taking up their space. Nothing wrecks a wedding like someone getting hit with a golf ball. <laughs> yeah, that would that would change the would. that would change the vibe. But we uh, yeah, ceremony was really beautiful except for the bagpipes, and then we went inside and agreed. <laughs> and it was great. Um, we had drinks flowing. There was like this alcoholic Arnold Palmer that was yeah. super delicious. There was this elderflower gin kind of purple gradient drink that was really tasty as well. Both sound great. We had some uh, corn crab fritters rolling mm. and all kinds mm. of stuff. Really great food, um, fun speeches. You know, the, I got to say that the people that gave speeches did a great job of finding that that balance point between humor and you know heartfelt uh, heartfelt like pulling the heartstrings i like it i actually uh shed a tough to do yeah yeah i shed a couple tears at uh you were leaking at table eight (laughs) i was i was because you know what because you love love i love love (laughs) the guy who i least expected to be the the tearjerker was the tearjerker uh like um our essentially our uncle michael who's uh pretty like straightforward guy Uh and he it was one of those he got choked up so i got choked up kind of thing and it was uncle mikey sheds a tear i'll shed a tear yeah it was great and he gave an amazing speech so that was really cool neat yeah um one thing i will say wait what did you eat what did you eat at this wedding because again this location is it's pretty highfalutin yeah i had a really nice i had a roast that was really tasty and it had um kind of these roasted carrots and asparagus on the side too and they had kind of like a creme brulee Mm. dessert going on Mm. too and there was a a salad in there that i I can't recall at the minute um but we ate well we drank well yeah it was good i'm sure you did yeah there's one other like anecdote or thing i wanted to point out that was i've so first of all no kids at this wedding Mm. which clearly stated don't bring your offspring do not bring your offspring (laughs) gotta respect it 
and it was really kind of freeing and great mm. so we got a babysitter we had the shot clock counting down cinderella had to be home by 10 so the the babysitter could get back to her destination yes and we decided like, okay let's turn up like let's do it early good for you and it was funny because we were on a completely different pace from the 30 year olds that were there like you know in the wedding party and, and the extended friends yes they were just laid back you know picking their spots they got out. all the time in the world they got Jamal. all the time in the world young people <laughs> the clock's ticking so we got all the dance floor quick fast and it was funny there were points where you're just looking around and we're like i don't think there's anyone under 40 on the dance floor but we were cutting up it was great getting that early bird special in eh yeah yeah pull the napkin out of your shirt slam down a little wipe the roast beef from your mouth and hit the floor <laughs> gotta work off those calories right good for you yeah yeah you shook it up a little bit yeah there was one funny moment uh as well when we were exiting i was kind of trailing my crew and had the uh, the old leather bottoms on. You know, you always hear like boxers, don't fight at the weigh-in because you got slick bottom shoes on. Mm. So I also was wearing slick bottom shoes. And uh, when the leather hit the asphalt as I was exiting, I ate it. Ate it. Wow. So I got a court- That's how to make an exit, though. That's how <laughs> they'll remember that. Well, only if like my my immediate family saw, so I can I can take that. The ego's not too hurt. We went through the concussion protocols. Everything fine. checked out. We were fine. No rips in the suit. We were good. But you know, just a little ego bruise. But um, yeah. But that's fine. also you know that's apropos of being in your forties. Like you want to go out. You want to get. You want to put your now later gators on. It's they're gonna bite you on the way out the door. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Good thing for me. I know how to fall. So I just took it on the. <laughs> <laughs> on the hip and on the knee so i got the corgi bite scar on the one knee and now i got the the wedding bite on the uh the other knee you got those summer knees yeah summer knees i went to the chiropractor the other day and she said what happened to you and uh the story ensued lots of giggles <laughs> that that then leaked into turned into some other festivities on the weekend for you while you had all this family and extended family in town yeah, it was a long weekend here in Canada, uh, BC Day, if you're in BC, and then various other provincial days, depending on where you are. So that that holiday weekend, so there's a lot going on this weekend. Monday, um, it's funny, the the wedding, right? our cousin married a Finnish woman, and then we hosted uh, some of Julia's classmates, because the school reunion, her school reunion's happening as we speak. And kind of the predecessor to the actual main function, we hosted some folks. So there were some more fins in the midst, and uh, came and had some uh, some really fun times with. So uh, we had the fins. Crew. We had real fin, like proper Finnish people from the wedding here, and then we had Finnish people like through Julia's a, sen- a section of Julia's colleagues or former colleagues were also fins. Yeah, not really. You can't swing a dead cat around here without hitting a fin, <laughs> a stoic fin. No, it's funny. How much smoked mackerel are you guys going through on a weekend? Finlandia pouring everywhere. Wow. No, it was funny because I befriended uh, this this one gentleman, Hari, at the uh, the function on Monday. And anyway, he was very. Um, he, he admittedly said that you know English was not his strong suit; it was not his first language. So he was very like an intense guy, but really, really sweet. So he said he didn't say much. But when he did speak, you know, it was like really 
impact impactful and one of the last things he's um he said to me he's like oh you know are you gonna be at the next function the next day and i was like no. the next finish function <laughs> the next like function yeah, yeah. of yeah, the uh, the reunion and i yes. said no and he's got like a really firm handshake we're still you know engaged in yeah and he says well i'll see you in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> i like that yeah, I like that. Well, the scary. Finns, they're realists, right? Like, they're yeah. they're realists. Yeah, no, no BS with them. No malarkey with the Finns. But if I go to Helsinki, I got a place to rest my head, apparently. so Beautiful. They yeah. love a, The Finns love a thin pancake, too. Not a crepe. Not a crepe. Not like a thick Aunt Jemima-style southern buttermilk. They like a thin, the thin pancake. You ever been okay. to Hoido's in Thunder Bay? No. Mm. Quite, a, quite a thin pancake at Hoido's in Thunder Bay. If you, As you would say, if you know, you know. <laughs> nice yeah but i was gonna say as a result of julia being um at her school reunion this week i've been solo parenting got through survive and advance <laughs> yes sir yeah gotten through she'll be back in the mix tomorrow but i know that you had some thoughts about uh parenting this week because you had some <clears throat> adventures as well I had an unexpected, an unexpected uh, early work day on Tuesday coming off of, and we'll get to the sporting sphere in a second. I just want to paint this picture. I had an unexpected early work day on Tuesday as uh, my partner was dealing with a bit of a health situation, a bit of a long-term health situation that, that unexpectedly hit a hit a breaking point, a pinch point on, on Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for asking. She's fine. She's fine. Everything's fine now. But she had to go to the hospital. She took herself to the emergency room on Tuesday. So I was home again, unplanned on Tuesday. So what did I do to, to take advantage of the afternoon? As you would say, carpe diem, the afternoon, I took my crew to, if you remember a few episodes ago, we talked about the, the trampoline part, park, Uh-oh. flying squirrel. There it is. Right? So I think to myself, if there's ever a time to go to this hellscape (laughs) it's on a it's on a random tuesday afternoon when there's not too many people fingers crossed and we can go in there i call ahead hey is there any big groups coming in should i actually take a swing at this blah 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 we go i pack up the kelly girls in the minivan that beautiful honda odyssey and we roll over there (laughs) what what ensued from there it's all it's all happening jc it's all happening the the music is bumping the girls are buzzing they like the trampoline basketball courts we did some some dunking that was a treat the problem at these places is that there's only one (laughs) i think it's a chain across the country no one problem (laughs) no no you're right there's many there's many the cost being first and foremost (laughs) is that these kids don't have point guard vision like I do, right? My biggest fear in there is clunking coconuts. These kids cut across the tracks and it's just, oh, hey, watch your kid, Ron. Of course, he's looking down on his phone, right? Yeah. All right, anyway. So it was nice we got in there. (laughs) We got in there. Um, All three of my kids had a wonderful time. Um, The youngest one, obviously, I was sort of glued to her as she navigated all like big laughs, big smiles, great workout. We worked the legs. Um, My middle child says to me, she looks at me in in just like absolute glee. She says, Daddy, and and let's give Flying Squirrel its credit. She looks at me and she says, Daddy, this is the best day of my life. Oh, that's great, though. (laughs) And I thought to myself. What if your mother doesn't make it out of the hospital? 
Oh. Uh, so then we went for ice cream. We had a little uh, s'mores ice cream, parachute ice cream over in Esquimalt. Oh, yeah. It was great, man. It was a funny little Tuesday afternoon. Of course, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My partner's out of the hospital. Everything's fine. Just just a little dark humor to set you right on your weekend. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that would have been a tough turn of events for sure. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Hey, man, that's life. That's life on a random Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Also, you uh, you wanted to talk about you're going through a bit of the terrible twos now that uh, Zadie's crossed that threshold. So how's that handling? No, actually, JC, I want to push back on that. Oh, okay. I want to push back on that. Okay. All this talk about the terrible twos, and everyone's got their own experience, so I can only speak to mine. So this is my third child. She's now two. I love this age i love two now maybe because it's the third one i can really like sink into it soak it up but she is so wonderful she's so engaged she's got the other two examples to follow around her interactions with her family with the world it's so great man like i think it's fucking wonderful the way that she's maneuvering i i i am trying really hard really hard to soak it up like i said that's cool being present, I was sorry. I mi- I was misinformed. I thought, oh, this is gonna be a tough stretch here, but that's wonderful. I've never really got again to each their own experience. I've never really had the terrible two stuff, right? M- my terribleness, if I can use a word that's not a real word, is the first two years where you're not sleeping Ugh. and it's everything is an absolute grind. Everything is a grind, right? We've now hit two with Zebo, the lefty. And it's like, this is, this is like such a sweet spot, man. She's walking, she's talking her own language, but she's talking. She's somewhat, um, she's very self-assured, but she's somewhat, you know, sort of self-reliant. It's, it's wonderful, man. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the twos. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad you got past that point. Cause yes, the. The, the lack first, of sleep can derail the best of us. It was a really long haul, and yeah, the, yeah, that's my my point. Just to put a big punctuation mark on it, it's it's a beautiful thing, right? And also, too, knowing that this is my last child, and like, just just really dive into it and and sit in it and marinate on it, and it's yeah, man, it's it's fucking great. It's great. That's wonderful. Let's take that energy to the break. Break. Welcome back to the Sports Gloss, Justin and Jamal. Thanks for joining us, as always. We're going to do some quick hitters and talk about a few different things across the sports world that's caught our attention this week. And first up, we wanted to circle back and talk about NCAA realignment and what's happening there. So there's been some scuttlebutt about Cal and Stanford joining the ACC. JK? Nothing says the Atlantic Coast Conference (laughs) like Cal and Stanford. (laughs) Yeah, Pac-12 to the Atlantic. <laughs> what are your thoughts there? No, I mean, the joke is intended as I mean it. It seems it seems silly. I think 
the geography of this thing have have passed us all by, right? Like that's, I guess we just need to realize that that is no longer important, right? And our mind, as we think about as it's been, the Pac-12's been for the last Pac-8, Pac-10, then the Pac-12 for the last 108 years, we just need to let it go, man. Traditions are just, they're gone. The, the, the rivalries, like we talked about in the last episode, um, the, the energy between the schools, it's, we got to let it go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't so, matter. What do you think? You know, I, I do feel like I want to pour one out for, for all the Pac-12 homies, like all of the, like you said, all those great times and those great rivalries, but at the same time, a wise person once said, evolve or die. Mm. And I guess this is where we're at, and this is the new iteration of the NCAA. Is this is this like our parents saying, I remember when this street, your street over here, I remember when we used to have all these little shops here. I remember when we had the the dairy shop and the, and the fruit stand and the coffee shop. And now it's a Costco and a Starbucks <laughs> and uh, whatever, right? Is this that, are we just moving that way where it's like, yeah, no one, lots of people don't like this, but guess what? Everyone still goes there. Everyone still spends their money there. I agree. That's a great a great metaphor. I think that it still is because we're still going to watch college football on Saturdays. We're still going to be interested. That, that's the key, JC. Sorry to cut you off. That's the key. Is this going to stop? Once we're used to this in three or four years, is, is, is it going to stop anybody from watching? It's not. I mean, I think about this might be a bit of a stretch, but you remember all the turmoil that the NFL was going through with like taking the knee and kind of, you know, um, excommunicating Carl, uh, Colin Kaepernick and all that stuff. And people were like, oh, I'm going to boycott the NFL. Da, da, da. And people still watched. I mean, this is different, but I don't think that you're going to see loyalists kind of step away. And the thing with this, too, I think shouldn't be lost is. In, in the U.S., people have such really deep allegiances with their universities. With it's their in the blood. Alumni program. Like, I always joke about them being uh, separate cults, like each, each university. And it's like that. People are still going to go watch games sure. no matter who your team is playing sure. against. People are still going to tune in on Saturdays to watch. So, I think... I'm curious to see where we're at in 10 years. I'm curious to see what the NCAA football mm-hmm. playoff looks like and mm-hmm. what the conference uh, situation five years looks even like. five years even yeah uh, something that was overlooked at least I overlooked it in our last conversation and and in some of the news that's been coming out what about Arizona basketball that's a big hoops program big hoops program no longer now part of the big 12 no longer part of the pac 12 like that's a seismic sh- football so clearly is driving the bus on this issue but there's some big programs in there that are going to that are going to have like a real there's going to be some big changes obviously obviously what's going to happen to Washington State Wazoo and the Beavs and Corvallis of Oregon State what's going to happen to them great Mount, question Mountain West that seems like the natural fit Wazoo you know uh, some of their administrators were talking about how they really got the shit in the stick essentially with mm-hmm. this when everybody else kind of vamoosed so I don't they're know stuck. where else they were they're to go they're stuck yeah I think they're, they're kind stuck. of tethered into the geographical aspects up in the you know corner of the country they're not UW they're not Oregon so no. and they're not Oregon and Oregon State would even and arguably have more like clout than, than Wazoo so I think both I think those teams are stuck Mountain West. 
They're they're still waiting for the dominoes to fall. They're still waiting for Cal and Stanford to figure out what they're gonna do. Like, man, what a mess. You mentioned one more thing about this. How about the cojones mm. on the fucking Oregon guy who like takes that call and leaves his camera on and keeps playing his round golf. of golf. Yeah. The Whew. the Oregon A D. Ouch. Yeah. Talk about just a bad breakup. And just the miss, the mismanagement. As I, we'll move on in a second. But as we talked about last week, Oregon really was the linchpin. I took some, I took some, uh, got a couple nasty uh, text messages from some University of Washington, some UW honks in in my world, saying that I didn't give them enough credit. And and they're right. Like UW is a big school, big program. They're ranked really high. Michael Penix is back. Uh, big Penix energy this year. Like Let's go. UW is going to have a great year. It, my point I was trying to stress is that that the University of Oregon Ducks is just such a national, international brand with that Nike money and that push that really that really drives that that Oregon logo, and and they're obviously connected. They're tied. They're tied together. Just like we're waiting to find out what Cal and Stanford's going to do. Um, you know how I feel about how I feel about Cal. I mean, let's just for a second, just for a second shift to some of these Olympic sports. Like, like no one cares about, you know, like the Cal men's rowing team. Their biggest rival is University of Washington. Um, Cal's, Cal women's rowing team, who is near and dear to my heart, their biggest rival are the Beavs, and then UW, and then Stanford. Like, everything's flipped on its head. Again, we will acclimate in a few years, but it's, it's kind of banana lands. Yeah, that's we're, a great We're call. drifting. We're drifting right now. No, I'm I'm with you, and that's a great call. Like those those rivalries that have been there uh, over the course of time, they're gone, and now they don't mean anything to us as an outsider. But if you're in that community, if you're in that space, those are big friggin' deals. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what you're gonna be playing against? I don't know, uh, Clemson's rowing team. I don't even know Clemson's rowing has a rowing Does team. Does Clemson crew? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I don't know if NC State has a formidable mm-hmm. water polo program. I don't know either off the top of my head. You know, so get them on the pod. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. I wanted to um, segue because you had a great point there. We we're talking about the University of Oregon and like their national presence. Clout, clout. Thank you. And one of their their former coaches, Chip Kelly, came out and had some eye catching comments he made in reference to realignment this week. Old Uncle Chip. He hasn't been showing up to the reunions lately. He hasn't been showing up, but he'll be back with that <laughs> that high-flying offense. Go on, sir. So just a little bit of context. Chip Kelly led Oregon through some of their probably greatest success and mm-hmm. periods of uh, known for just that really fast, open style of play that that's kind of begets so many other programs kind of following suit. Innovator. Definitely. Then went, went to the Eagles. Yep. Uh, tried some things that didn't really work in the NFL per se, you know, Correct. Uh, my guy, Michael Vick had a decent little stretch there with him. Uh, Nick Foles, those guys, but you know, didn't, didn't really hit the same way, but he's found himself back at UCLA. Who's now left the PAC 12 going on to be in the big 10. One more year. You see USC and UCLA have one more year in the PAC 12 before they move to the Midwestern conference. That is the big 10. Please proceed. So he came out, and speaking of Midwestern conferences, he said, basically, Notre Dame, kind of, you know, they're South Bend, Indiana, right smack in that dab in the middle. 
They have, and an independent. Sorry to cut you off. They're an independent. Yeah, they have a independent football program. They play who they want. We were joking the other day about them playing all of these academies. And then their basketball team plays a good chunk of their games in the ACC. So he was saying, why aren't we all just independent? Why don't we just have 64 teams, independent teams here, just mix it up? Football being removed from conferences, essentially. We're all independent. Smart, smart. He was making some statements about how football you know, brings a lot of money to the table. There's a lot of um, travel and different things that football has to negotiate that like you were talking about the Olympic sports. It's really difficult to get those sports that don't earn as much money to go travel across the country. Whereas football, you're only really playing five, maybe six road games in a year. And it's like every other week or every Saturday versus, you know, some of the basketball teams, for example, you'll go and you'll play on a Friday and a Sunday on like a road trip and have to get back and do your studies and things like that. So I digress, but basically there's a way to manipulate the sports a little bit. You said, now the football team's an independent. I jumped you and said they're an mm-hmm. independent. The basketball team plays in the ACC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Their hockey team plays in the big 10. I didn't know that. Right. Like collegiate hockey, NCAA hockey has been doing this for a while. They've also been kind of manipulating it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think it's totally viable. You look at all of the money, so much money, so much of the, of a lot of these universities, athletic scholar, uh, athletic programs, the things that fund like Title IX, the things that fund so many, you know, your engineering schools, your whatever is football funds it all. Football, right? Football funds it all. Boosters, television. Yeah. Yeah. So money from football pays for the rest of the athletic uh, teams. Like it pays football pays for everything and and more in some cases like at Notre Dame where they get all that NBC money. Yeah, so I agree. Why not just make it its own separate entity and let it function on its own, and then you have these, you know, uh, conference allegiances that you don't have to break break suit with. So yeah, it's just a grid thought, and I'm curious, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more different offerings and different permutations of how we can navigate this new landscape. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna and it's gonna keep changing. It's gonna keep evolving here as we're at this pressure point. Yeah, they're gonna be huge conferences, and at some point, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of like how we all used to have cable boxes, then we all went to streamers, and now we're moving slowly back to cable boxes because you can't find what you want to watch. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Tradition be damned. Let's jump into t- 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 tennis. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit of tennis. Canadian soil tennis. That's right. So we have the Nations Bank Open. There's, there, if you don't know, they split the the women's and the men's tournaments up. They're masters levels, so it's one thousand points there. So it's just a, a step below the Grand Slam level. This is on our way as we make it to the U.S. Flushing. Open in a few few weeks. We're here in Toronto for the men, Montreal for the women. I just wanted to hit a couple of things that are, are happening. So in Toronto, uh, Milos Raonic, uh, Toronto local, had a great week. He had a tough one today. He lost in the round of 16, but he did beat Francis Tiafo, my guy, and he had another big win. He had 37 aces in that three-set three match against Tiafo. I think I saw somewhere that was like the most aces he's ever hit 
Now I watched a bit of that Tiafo Raonic match. It was quite interesting, and I like I quite as you know I quite like Tiafo too. Too it, I, something about Raonic. I'm sorry to hear I didn't know that he lost today. There's something about Raonic the way he's out there, kind of that old man bod. <laughs> he's been battling injuries. He hasn't played since 2021. He's currently ranked 584th in the world. He's looking thicker. If I may be so crass, even the new Lululemon gear, he still can't have that. Chub. He got he got married. He's got that happy fat on him now, right? But there's something uh, you were talking about being on the dance floor at 43 at the wedding with the 30 somethings. There was something I liked about him with that old man strength, a little extra, little extra girth, and he's out there swinging it. I was into it. It made me happy. Yeah, and he's got gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, to his credit, like you said. His game is suited that he can come back and, and kind of play, even though he's got a lot of miles in those tires, because he's such a big server, big forehand. He's not the most agile, but he's 6'5 and hits the hell out of the ball. So it was such a funny contrast in styles with Tiafo, who's, you know, always so animated and plays up to the crowd, but Milos is literally at home as mm-hmm. a, you know, Toronto guy. And he um, he's pretty stoic on the court, typically. Yeah. Um, and so it was such an interesting uh, match. There was a little bit of controversy at various points, but Milos got through. But I'm curious to see if he plays Cincinnati next week and if he plays U.S. Open or if this is just kind of the last kind of hmm. last dance, if you will, for him. So we'll see. See how the body feels. Uh, as well, staying in the realm with Canadians, um, Layla, Andy, sorry, Layla Fernandez, she's had a great run i saw her play some qualifiers in washington dc she lost tonight to danielle collins but she did uh have some success uh, in montreal in her hometown and i'm curious to see you know we're only a couple years removed from her breaking through being in the u.s open final Hmm. she's getting some steam she's had some injuries and different things so i wonder if she can get back into that form so we'll see what happens with her as well bianca's out right she got the she got bounced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Milos and, and Layla were the last standing. Felix is going through something, man. I think it's just coming. Uh, Felix Ojeda-Olesim. He's had those injuries, and I think he's just has a crisis of confidence right now. Who's the young Canadian from Montreal? Diallo. Yeah, Diallo played well. He won a two two matches. I believe so. He I saw the match he lost there, but he looks good. He's also a big server. I like his game. I like comer. his energy. He's an up and comer. He's a tall kid. I feel like he's like six 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 seven. Um, I know he's going to be in Winnipeg for a qualifier this coming week. But keep your eyes peeled, Alexis. Galar, no. He can use that guy. racket to swat the black flies. <laughs> yeah, so they'll be in Winnipeg. And um, we'll see how things turn out the rest of the week. Um, I just wanted to hit a couple of quick things in uh, tennis. So Sportsnet is terrible. The Sportsnet coverage has been awful. And I just want to talk about it. I was talking Arash about Madani? My guy Arash Madani isn't doing it for you. He's smart. He's thoughtful. He's eloquent. Just he's, like you and I. He's really great. And I like him. It's the other guys. I'm not a Jimmy Arias fan who also does uh, Tennis TV. And, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Tennis TV, Tennis Channel in the U.S. I'm curious why they get these U.S. folks to do it when they can bringing in Canadians but anyway don't care for Jimmy and then the other guys just pretty terrible some dinosaur I don't know his name but anyway um they have been really focusing on the Canadians which is fine but I think when you have multiple matches going on in multiple cities 
you shouldn't take all the channels and put them on Layla's match or Milos's match when you've got Medvedev or someone else playing on a, on a different uh, different channel and the opportunity to do it, or you're rolling a blank screen of a Vancouver Canucks logo on your other channel. So I don't know what they're doing. Just in general, they break in the middle of the day to show you kind of like Sports Center. Like I could give a fuck. Like mm-hmm. this is the one tournament that you guys feature and you have the rights to. So we're all held captive, kind of like an Air Canada flight. Yeah, and you really fucked it up. So Sportsnet, mm. you suck. Next thing, I just want to go through and talk about my men's U.S. Open power rankings as we're getting closer to the U.S. Open. Which is at the end of September? Uh, end of August, pretty much. Beginning right around Labor Day. Like it, it's a, I'm in beginning of September. I, yeah. miss, I misspoke. Go That's on. Right. It's, yeah. it'll, it kind of um, straddles Labor Day, typically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll be in Cincinnati next week for another Masters. Then there's Winston-Salem at the 250, and then we're off to, to NYC. So my power rankings, Alcaraz at the top. He escaped today. He was up 5-2 in the third with Hercotch and started fucking around and was trying to drop shot him and do all that stuff. He found himself in a tiebreaker and it got tight, but he got out. But He fucked around and almost found out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. But yes, Alcaraz at the top. Djokovic, he hasn't even played a match since Wimbledon. Doesn't need to. Doesn't need to. Number two. Medvedev, he's playing well. He's still alive. The octopus. Number three. Number four, Justin's favorite player. The sinner. Yannick. Love a sinner. And then sneaking in number five for me, he beat my guy Fritz today, and he's been playing well. He played well down in Mexico. He played uh, well um, just in the, the hard courts in general. He's been been great, and that's Alex Dimenauer, who's an Aussie. And I uh, love his style. He's a counterpuncher, maybe the fastest guy in tennis next to say Alvarez. The, can you say his name again, and can you slow down just a hair? Yeah, the last name is Dimenauer. Hmm. And uh, they, his nickname is Demon. Like speed demon actually because he's like just so that. fast okay yeah but he is aussie and he has heritage serbian no um it's a latino country and it's skip in my mind now it's either spain or one of the south american countries Oh, okay yeah so keep an eye out for those guys i'll update that as we get further along we we're just talking about toronto and talking about tennis there and you wanted to talk about the blue jays and what's been going on with them recently it's time to talk a little bit of baseball on the gloss, JC. We're deep into the second half now. We're about three quarters of the way through the baseball season. Canada's team, the sound of the summer, the Jays are ramping up. just want to give a little brief little bit of an insight into what's happening with the Jays the last couple of weeks. If you haven't been following along, it's time to dive into baseball. I know a couple of weeks ago you said F baseball ardently, <laughs> and God, I appreciate that. But it's time to dive back in. <laughs> Let's go back two weeks. The Jays play the the best team in the American League, the Baltimore Orioles, and they get smoked. They absolutely get waxed by the O's of Baltimore. It's not great. No one can drive in any runs. It's bad news, Bears, JC. I watched, like I said, I watch at least a couple innings of the Jays every night, every night, and that series was depressing. They're heading into, into Fenway Park. They're heading into Beantown the next weekend to play the Red Sox. They arrive in Boston. Bobochette catches an injury. Now, this year, Bobochette's been the Jays' best hitter. He's he's two weeks on the IL. He's got a knee issue like we all do. You do from the wedding. They call up this, this kid. I say kid. 
kid by the name of Davis Schneider, no relation to manager John Schneider. Now, this guy was drafted in the 28th round. He played six years in the minors, batting really well with AAA Buffalo Bisons. Finally gets actually played uh, played single A with the, the Vancouver Canadians at beautiful little Nat Bailey Park. Shout out to the Hey Y'all Porch. If you haven't had any time on the Hey Y'all Porch, ooh, <laughs> what a place to be on a Vancouver summer evening. Anyway, they call up this kid, David Schneider. He's got this beautiful mustache. Not the, not the biggest guy in the world, but can really hit the ball. Short little compact stroke. And in his first major league at bat, in one of the storied grounds in North American sporting culture, this guy hits an absolute piss rod over the left field bleachers in Fenway Park. Hits a dinger in his first at-bat. He goes on for the series against the Red Sox. He goes 9 for 13 in his first series in the major leagues. He hits another home run, plays a great second base, and is an absolute spark plug, like a real bolt of energy in this team. Like I said, the week before, a couple days before against the O's, they look they looked low and slow like your brisket on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> He lights this fire in them. They slide in. They slide over to Cleveland to play the Guardians. Now, he's he's obviously not going to carry this pace for this long, Jamal, but he's really sort of ignited this team. Plays second base. He He's not going to play every day, but this kid, David Schneider, and, and his mustache, this is the kind of player that can kind of propel a really great team, sort of the intangibles of a team, and push them along. The Jays' pitching staff is buzzing. The Jays have the pitching. Kevin Gossman's a horse. Chris Bassett is a horse. Jose Barrios, big comeback here. You say potato, I say Kikuchi. You say Kikuchi is back, three-year deal. Last year, he pitched terribly, terribly. This year, since the All-Star break, he's got an ERA of 1.24. The Jays have the best ERA in the majors. Like, their pitching staff is there. At the trade deadline, they add uh, a couple pitchers from the St. Louis Cardinals to go in to go with their closer, uh, who I'm blanking on the moment, Canadian guy from Markham with a great beard. They've got all the pieces. The problem with the Jays, Jamal, is they can't drive in any runs. Vladdy Jr. is not having a great year. He was once thought to be the most ballyhooed batting prospect of all time, period, of all time. He's doing, he's hitting okay, but he's not quite living up to the hype, and he's kind of having a down year. My guy Kevin Barker says he's behind on the fastball, and he's early on the curveball. That strikes me as a bad recipe. They take three or four from the Sox. They split with the Guardians. This weekend, they're back in Toronto. They play the Cubbies. The Sky Dome, let's still call it the Sky Dome, is going to be buzzing in Toronto. A lot of fans in from Chicago. Going to be a really, really fun party weekend vibe at the Sky Dome. Hopefully the Jays continue to ride it, get on the train while you still can. I want to back up for a second. Well, you're in Virginia, while we're still talking Jays, the Jays were in Seattle to play the Mariners, and the Mariners beat them like a drum. A couple years ago, I went to watch the Jays in Seattle. It's quite a scene. What happens in Seattle when the Blue Jays are playing the Mariners is unlike anything else in North American sports. The amount... The amount of people that go down and watch those games, 
it's wonderful, right? It's like 75% J's, 25% M's. It's really cool. The national anthem, I ran into Buck Martinez on the streets of Seattle a few years ago. It's really cool. Even if you're not a big baseball fan, what happens in Seattle when the Jays are there is really neat. Now, you're going to get rinsed on hotels, and you're going to get rinsed on tickets and food. Like, it's going to hurt your wallet, but it's money well spent. We should do it next year, the gloss in Seattle. I just wanted to touch on the Jays because it's time to get into the Jays, people. It's time to get into the Jays. That's all I'm saying. Transitioning from baseball, it's sports stock season. There's a lot of sports stocks. A couple of weeks ago, I was saying I kind of I wanted more sports stocks in this kind of dog days of summer, and, and you got them. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them. So just to name a few, Netflix has this Untold series, and they have a, a Jake Paul doc that they had recently. Uh, this week, the hottest thing on Netflix in Canada is this Johnny Manziel North America. Yeah, you're right. So that's come out, and then it also coincided with another football doc and that's hard knocks the yearly hard knocks yeah we we're at the jets this year aaron Robert rogers Sala, aaron rogers lots of good stuff i can't wait to watch that i know the first episode's aired but i haven't seen it i've heard a little bit about it i've got it taped on my pvr i might catch it later tonight there you go yeah i'm very curious to see what that team's gonna do you never know with hard knocks right if you're gonna get anything interesting like they tend to stick to you know sort of that player on the outside trying to get a job but but maybe we'll get a little bit of insight into uh, Aaron Rodgers and his darkness retreat or a little bit of the maybe Zach Wilson and his his now being demoted to second stringer don't say it I know what you're gonna say don't say it but yeah maybe that'll be interesting no I think so you know I really enjoyed last year with Detroit um, with the Lions on there and they had a great season, and there's high expectations for both those teams this year. But that's a problem. Teams are not wanting to to take on hard knocks because you're right. The Lions had a great season, one of their best seasons in a, in a while, but they didn't make the playoffs. True. There's a bit of a hard knocks curse almost floating around. Yeah, it's like the at this point. cover. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. I'm I'm really I'm really curious. I've heard some people say as well they think this is a bit of an audition for Aaron Rodgers for him for a future TV roles post NFL career. I mean, he's already done Jeopardy, so I, he's got some film out there. It might be a way for him to sort of bring back some of the viewing public that maybe was put off with some of his antics in recent years, so maybe this is a way to sort of soften his image and maybe draw back in the the bulk of North the North American public that might have been turned off by him. I like to believe that he is cognizant of his diminishing, let's say, uh, reputation in the in the public eye because he took that big pay cut this year, and then when asked about it, he was very, you know, blasé about, it. oh yeah, you just had to do what we got to do to get some more players in here, just being very magnanimous about it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money, and it's just it's he's very... still getting it, and he's just pushing it down the road. Yeah, but it's funny him leaving green bay in that way and it's then, a new chapter yeah. it's a new chapter for him and it is interesting he went into the darkness and he's coming back into the light <laughs> so we were talking about those docs and there's one doc that has been on my radar and that i've uh, been one waiting to see and now i watched it and that's the um nba destination nba g league odyssey it's a prime amazon joint right yeah and the ringer who i love shout out to bill simmons they they're behind this as well basically the, the doc features 
four players in the G League that okay. are trying to make it to the uh, the NBA Get at the various call. points of their career. And uh, it's a great doc. I really enjoyed it. Scoot Henderson is one of the guys they fin- uh, feature. So it's the, the previous season. Gives a little bit of background on Scoot. Cool. Dude is super mature. Like, yeah. he's super mature, developed. If He doesn't look like a 19-year-old, like, just his physique and yeah, just the way he carries himself, the yeah. way he, he speaks and conducts interviews. It's great. Like, you can see that he's already a professional, at least what he's putting on film. Mm-hmm. So... This doc follows four or five players around for a season kind of thing? It does. Scoot's one of the guys that's featured. Another guy that's featured that I fell in love with was Gabe York. Okay. Remember the name. Okay. Gabe York. He was this high school uh, phenom. He was one of the first, like, uh, guys I believe, like, Ball is Life followed around. Like, if you're familiar with that YouTube kind of channel featuring a lot of uh, mixtapes, things like that from high school players. He he's known for he's he's not a big guy. He's like six two, six three. He used to have a forty three inch vertical. Hello, where is he from? Um, Orange County, uh, Southern California. So he caught an oop from like half court and dunked on this like six eight guy, and it's just filthy. So that kind of put him into the, the light. I think he may have played at Arizona a little bit, and he's been kind of tooling around <laughs> in the uh, G League. He's had a couple coffee here and um, there. KD's shouted him out before, but the guy's got game. He's he's had a, a, just a run of misfortune with a few things that, like, whenever he's got a call up, something's happened and sure. got in the way of his ten day. But he got to be lucky. You got to be lucky. You got to be lucky. He looks like a future Miami Heat player. Yeah, he he can grind. He's a he's a point. How uh, old is he? How old is he now? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Dang, was he at the wedding? <laughs> Did he talk to you? <laughs> he would have. He seems like a chill dude. Um, he he better catch he better catch the his break while he while he can. Yeah. Do you know what team he plays for? Now? Yeah. Mm, he plays for the Mad Ants. Yeah. Does he? Good pull. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he does. But the so, Mad Ants are in where Fort Fort Indiana somewhere. Yeah, Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne Mad Ants or something. Yeah. I just, yeah. I've just pulled out of my ass. By the way. No, it's it's accurate. It's great. He's he's got he's got it. He just played in the uh, TBT, the basketball tournament. He led his team to, I believe, like the semis, and just putting guys in the torture chamber, like nice. on pick and rolls, like <laughs> can hit threes, can get in the lane, get a shot. He's savvy. So watch out for Gabe York. There's a Jewish guy in that doc too, right? He plays yeah. plays in a yarmulke. Yeah, correct. And he's a. I saw legend. that in the trailer. He's a legend. I remember he was a he's a big uh college player i want to say he played like d3 okay and that, his name eludes me right now but his uh, his parents come to his game he's got like this like cavalcade of fans that follow him he's bringing all this like prestige to like being a man of his faith yes and still being in the league very cool yeah i think he's on the detroit pistons um feeder team i can't place right now yeah um but he uh He's got a good personality. I'm curious to see how it pans out for him. Cool. And then there's Denzel Valentine, who you might know, who was Michigan State. Yep. Yeah. He was supposed to be a big deal with the Bulls, and now he's in Maine, uh, grinding, trying to make the Celtics. Just just signed with the Sydney Kings of the NBL. Oh, there you go. Yeah, my bad. Which is a big. He, he's probably making a, a quite a handsome sum to play for the Sydney Kings this year because they're paying people. The Australian Basketball League is paying people, and so he's. Yeah. He's he's doing okay. He's not in the league, but he's gonna he's gonna have a lucrative season. 
Feldman Simmons. Maybe we'll follow suit. Mm-hmm. And the other he's guy, headed there. he's headed there eventually. The other guy is that just happened like yesterday. I saw that the Sydney Kings. Okay, Denzel. Yeah, good for him. Sometimes you got to take these alternate routes. But the other guy is a name eludes me. Mason something. He was a big deal in college as well. He was the G League MVP the year prior to this documentary. And um, he had a bad injury last year that put him out for a spell. But he plays for a team in Mexico City. I didn't even know there was a team in Mexico City, the Capitans. G League team in Mexico City? Yeah. Oh, and sign me up for that. Their games are electric. I bet they are. Like, the, the fans are wild. Yeah, I like that. It was great. So, it just this documentary... Um, in summation, just kind of gives you a taste of these G League life and various. That's what we yeah. Want. yeah, so I love it. I think it's it's a great doc. Check it out if you can, and it leads me to our Q and A with J and J for the week. Hold on, while we're talking great docs, okay? So I will watch that. A couple years ago, it's back being put on back back on TV here in Canada. It's on TSN. They're playing the Last Dance again. But let's be clear. Let's be clear, and I'm going to show my age on this one. The best basketball doc, maybe sports doc of all time, is Hoop Dreams. Mm. It's still that's Hoop still is, is really, really William good. Gates, Arthur Agee, incredible. It's raw too, very raw. Yeah, yeah. Hoop Dreams is is a good one. I remember that for sure. What's my your Q and A? Oh yeah, okay. So this leads me to our Q and A with J and J. Before we get into that. I want to talk about our sponsor. Q&A with J&J brought to you by people walking in the crosswalk staring at their cell phones. I see you out there putting your hands in the lives of drivers who may not be paying attention, who may not see you. You're going to get clipped. Walking at a medium pace with not a care in the world. Just updating, see if you get to the next level of Candy Crush or if... Checking the gloss on sports, uh, checking the gloss on Instagram. <laughs> Try to figure out how you can get Taylor Swift tickets to one of those shows in Toronto. I see you out there risking your life, holding up traffic. I see you, baby. <laughs> Kudos to you, e-walkers, as I call them. Nice. <laughs> so Q&A with J&J this week, we're just talking about the G League Odyssey documentary, and it, it made me ponder this. If you were a top high school recruit today would you go to the g league directly or would you go do your one and done year in ncaa what would you do g league Mm. it may not be a possible a popular answer i'll give the ncaa defense as well but i'll give you my g league uh strategy here go on you can look at recent history and you've had a lot of those elite players that have made it to the league Jalen Green rookie of the year uh, his first year with Houston we got Scoot Henderson is going to be great we've got uh, Marjan Bocamp that plays uh, with Milwaukee I believe we've got a lot of guys that took the the road less traveled and they've had success and gotten to the league don't have to worry about books you can just (laughs) worry about ball the other stuff will come I mean, debatable if some of these guys are worried about books. Right. Anyway, but go on. I get your point. But yeah, I mean, fake it, like doing six... Until you make it. Go on. Six months of classes like like Ben Simmons did at LSU. Yep. But you can just focus on being a professional every day. You're grinding just like Luca did, just like Victor Wimanyama did in that context of playing against men, playing against professionals mm-hmm. in the G League level mm-hmm. versus playing in NCAA. 
My other take here with the NCAA, sure, NIL, you can get a bag of money, but now in the G League, guys are getting paid too. We're getting upwards of $600,000 a year to play in the G League. And the other selling point is, I think the G League style of play is going to be more tailored to, or more akin to the style of play at the next level in the NBA, whereas college basketball, a lot of that, the coaches are just trying to win. They're not playing... The style of basketball that's really the emphasis is on winning, yes. not development. Exactly. Where the G League, it's a bit cutthroat because I think everybody out there obviously is trying to get a cup of coffee and trying to get to the league, but it's more, like I said, tailored to the NBA style of play. Mm-hmm. And I think there's mm-hmm. enough eyes and yeah, those and, are good points. Yeah, there's enough eyes on the G League now that it's not just kind of remember like back in the day it used to be an afterthought. And it was like you had to go do... When it was the D-League. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now I feel like I would go G-League. I get also, like Mac Miller once said, I love college. Mm-hmm. I, I get going, being the big man on campus. Some of that... Um, Asheroth? Asheroth. Oh, maybe it's Asheroth. That. Sorry. Yeah. Rest man, in I peace, Mac. College. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that aspect of it and like... Going to a big school, Kentucky, U, UNC, whatever, mm-hmm. and like being big man VCU. on campus. There you go. And having all of that, and that's a cool experience for sure, but mm-hmm. G League all the way over here. I don't have any, a problem with anything you've just said, JC. In fact, I agree with a lot of it. My, my point or my slight pushback will be this. I've never seen a G League game with my own eyeballs. I haven't seen it on terrestrial television you know i'm not a huge tech guy i haven't seen it i've seen clips but i've never watched now i'll watch you and i have talked about this in one of our first apps i'll watch the shit out of the nca tournament right because it's there to do i've never seen any g league basketball not that i if i looked a little harder i could probably find it but i haven't so is the are the eyeballs you get in the ncaa and now this bag of money with NIL, are they commensurate with the development and the money that you're getting in the G League? Great question. You know what? I think you have a valid argument. I think the NCAA might actually be a better way to get eyes on you, like you said. Exposure. Well, you just think about our guy, Marquise Noel. We didn't know who he was until the, the tournament. first, yeah. And G- then... Going to play for the Raps this year. Yeah. And just that run he had where he caught fire and carried Kansas State through the mud all the way to um, where they got. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, that is unique. You're not going to get that same vibe in like a G League playoff run. But So maybe as we as we work this, this train of thought through, maybe the place for the G League guys are like the the – the Thompson twins that yeah. just got drafted and, and Swar or whatever those two cats names, apologies for blanking on them. But like maybe for that top, top, maybe for that t- <clears throat> top end talent, it's, a, it's the appropriate place. I don't know. We're just workshopping this, but that's interesting. Hey, yeah, it's a good, it's- because you're right. Uh, Marquise Noel at Kansas state, he's not playing in the G league and unless he gets demoted by the raps, right? Like that's not a, that's not the place for him, that type of player, that type of prospect. Right, that's a good point. I like, I just like the G League mm-hmm. as an entry point because I feel like, like I said, if you're a guy who doesn't want to do the school stuff and just wants to grind and play against professionals, want to get a feel for like what it's like on the road in the mix for an NBA season, things of that nature, it's great. But I also see, 
I mean, everybody knows who Grady Dick is. Yeah. Everybody knows, you know, uh, a lot of these guys have been college legends, like uh, Kevin Durant, you know, did his one year at Texas. It just sure. kind of comes to my mind as other guys. I mean, I guess the G League wasn't popping in the same way that time. But anyway, point being, I think the traditional path is a great one too, but my path would be G League. And I think you're right. The traditional path is lessening, right? Like the 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 aspect of de- development is now more important. And before it was like winning, 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 and it's now on development. Yeah. And that concludes episode 25 of the Sports Glass with Justin Jamal. Thanks for listening as always. If you haven't done so, please give us a follow on Instagram at the Sports Gloss. And slide into the DM. Send us some questions. Send us a sultry comment, a sultry summer comment. We'd like that. We would love that. We're interested to hear what you think of the podcast or if you've got some questions. And mailbag stuff's always fun, too. So hit us up. Justin, what do we say to the people each week? Survive and advance. Peace.